welcome to Navigating Betrayal Live webinar podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Kaylee Dunn, betrayal navigation coach, betrayal trauma therapist for over a decade, and admin of this free group, Humans Navigating Betrayal. Stick around for a short Q&A at the end. Today, I'm going to be answering the question, how do I stop obsessing about other women's bodies? We're going to talk about what's actually happening and how does it feel? I've been there. I've lived it. We're going to talk about that. Second, we're going to talk about why. Why do we do this? And last, I'll give you two specific techniques or tools that you can use to start to overcome this um, experience after betrayal. And then at the very end, we will have that question and answer. So I'll keep an eye on the comment section. You're welcome to ask questions as we go, and then I'll answer them at the end, or you can hold your questions to the end, either way. Um, here's Gus joining us today. <laughs> All right. So this experience is super, super painful and can be really triggering to hear about, to talk about. Um, so as I'm talking about my personal experiences and the experiences of others, um, you know, tap into your own body, notice how you're feeling. If you need to take breaks from this discussion, that's okay. You can pause it and come back to it later. Make sure you're taking care of yourself all along the way. So what is this experience where you're feeling obsessed about other women's bodies. It's this experience where before the betrayal violence, which we'll talk about betrayal violence in a minute, but before the discovery, before the betrayal violence, or at least the awareness of it, you may be associated to other women in a way that felt natural and normal. You may have been like girl power and you may have felt like someone who was really empowering to other women and positive towards other women. You may have felt female neutral, or you may have already had some struggles with this, but after the betrayal, it seems like whenever you're in public, you're around, especially strangers, but sometimes even family and friends, you are really noticing their bodies, their mannerisms, their facial features, their body parts. You may even feel like you're objectifying these women and really zooming in on or focusing on the parts of these women rather than on um, who they are as a whole human. Another thing that might happen is you start to notice women in movies and same thing. You're focusing on how sexual they are, how alluring they are, almost as if you're in your partner's head looking at them through his eyeballs um, and this objectification or lusting type of mentality towards women in movies or um, singers, different things like that. Um, and this can feel very disturbing and distressing, especially if it's not how you perceived women in the past. It's almost as though now you see everyone on this big hierarchy of better and worse and particular body. And not everyone has it, feels it exactly this way, but it can almost feel like, you know, there's women who are up here and they have specific body parts that make them better. And then down, down, down. And, and um, then everybody is kind of put in this ranking and, um, Sometimes you may even feel like you're at the bottom of the totem pole. You'll look at your own body parts and compare them to other people's body parts in this hierarchical way of seeing human beings. And that can feel very, um, it can be time consuming. 
it can be very distressing and disturbing. It takes you out of the present moment. It can even add, you know, anxiety, heart rate increase, uh, shallow breathing, body distress. When you start to notice or get even triggered by other people's bodies or body parts. Um, so where does this come from? I think for many of you, you may say, yeah, that's obvious. I know where it comes from for me. Um, but for others, it may not be so clear. So I'm going to talk about a couple of different places that this experience of assessing over other women's bodies might come from. And um, again, this may fit for you. It may not. Take what fits. Um, leave the rest, of course. So let's talk about betrayal violence. What is betrayal violence? Betrayal violence is when um, it has three components, okay? One is that you are in a committed relationship where there are either spoken or unspoken rules around what it means to be in this monogamous committed relationship. I just, just not even monogamous, but committed relationship, right? Um, and there's these rules around fidelity that um, you assume when you get into that committed relationship. The second component is that in the in this experience, the partner, the betraying person, um, behaves with fidelity violations. They have fidelity violations. So there are some spoken or unspoken rules of fidelity. Like in a marriage, there's a ton of spoken rules around fidelity, right? Or they may um, be unspoken, but you kind of both agree or understand that we're both going to be fidelitous to one another. And then that fidelity is violated. And the third component of betrayal violence is that then that person who's violated the fidelity, the betraying partner, uses abusive communication or behaviors to av av um, avoid being caught or seen. So they hide, they lie, there's deception, there's manipulation, there's um, any of these. It doesn't have to be they don't have to be manipulative. They just lying, um, hiding information, um, exploiting labor, exploiting your time and energy. All of these are different types of abusive communication and behaviors. And when that occurs, we have a primal level threat, right? There's a primal level threat in those fidelity violations because we have an attachment rupture and as human beings, we are herd animals. We are um, we are animals that really rely on our community and on that one-to-one -one relationship because as an infant, right, we come into this world, we're extremely vulnerable. So our caregiver, maybe we have two caregivers, takes care of us. We need that caregiver for survival. That same survival instinct remains in our body into adulthood. We make these commitments and connections for our own survival. And then when that fidelity is violated, that is a survival level, primal level threat. And we have survival instincts that kick in. So all of the things that come up from that, although they may in 2023 appear crazy, air quotes for those on the podcast, air quotes, um, not crazy, you're responding in a normal way for an abnormal situation. And while fidelity violations have become the norm, that is not biologically within the norm for um for our species, right? And we're having these, these reactions for a reason. 
So just like, as you've probably heard me talk about, just like if you are in, um, if you were a cave woman and a lion came into your camp and hung out around for a long time and then finally left and you were safe, or if there's some unknown threat that's happening, it makes sense that you are going to then scan your environment consistently and constantly for safety cues or danger cues. For example, you're going to be looking for lion fur. You're going to be looking for scratch marks on the um, cave wall. You know, you're going to be looking for broken twigs and branches. There's a hypervigilance there meant to keep you safe. When you're scant, when you're out in public, you know, I remember going to like the swimming pool, which was my favorite place. And it is now my favorite place again. I've reclaimed it, but it, you go to the swimming pool and there's people in swimsuits and you're like, you feel like you're, you have blinders on, you're just, everything's fuzzy or you're, you're fogging out because all of these women are around, beautiful women are around you in their swimming suits and your eyes just want to gravitate to people's body parts. That's like looking for the lion fur out in the camp, right? That's like looking for the broken twigs. Your eyes are looking for those body parts. Um, we'll talk a little bit because many women have even spoken to like, well, I actually get sexually attracted now to these women, but I'm not actually attracted to them in the sense of um, being lesbian, but I now have these sexual feelings even towards these body. I'm objectifying to the degree that maybe it confuses my sexuality. Um, that may be the case. I mean, there may be um, something to address there with your sexuality. And um, there's some other things that could be at play as well. So or and or um ultimately know that if you've been betrayed you've experienced betrayal violence in an intimate relationship and you are fixating or focusing on other women's bodies one key component could be that survival mechanism of just really seeking um information and um about whether you're safe or not let's talk about other reasons that this is so difficult Remember that we live in a society that functions on this hierarchy, right? We have this supremacy um, society um, that really fun functions um, with this hierarchical view. It's a very shaming way, especially towards women, especially towards women. Women do it to other women. Men do it to women. It is a way that we've kind of been um, unconsciously trained to believe about especially many different things, right? So we see this hierarchical way of thinking of human beings, many different ways. Um, you know, who has the better job, who has more money, the different color of person's skin, the different gender a person has, but certainly for women, um, seeing them as commodities is very societal based at this point. Um, and it's not healthy and it's a very shameful way that um we function as a society so it's a very shame-based world that we live in shame is an emotion but it also has become kind of a culture um, that says you know i'm not enough and who do i think i am and um, we have really highlighted and encouraged even young children especially even like the 90s and early 2000s of you know really encouraging people to have high self-esteem at the expense of other people. I don't think that was the intention, of course, but we see a lot of that that was going on not that long ago in our childhoods. And then, you know, we've got social media where, where you know, likes and, and 
numbers game and everything is about putting people on a ranking system. So we live in a society that's very shame oriented, um, very hierarchical based. And this plays into this obsessing about your own body comparing to other women's bodies. Because if I'm not good enough, if I don't, if I don't, if you have shame that's been kind of um, placed in you without your consent, just how you were raised in society on the macro level, um, that's going to be especially painful when your partner is choosing someone else because it's going to say to you very symbolically it's symbolically shaming it's going to say to you that you're not good enough you're not enough compared to these other women and even if your partner is adamant that their use of pornography their their serial affairs whatever kind of fidelity violations had nothing to do with you then they may be telling the truth i've met many 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 men where that genuinely they did not see it as something that they were comparing their partner. It's going to feel that way for most of us, understandably, um, because of the society that, that we're raised in. And that's something that, you, unfortunately, you didn't consent to taking on that shame culture, that supremacy culture, but it's something that's often kind of inside of us that we have to um, deconstruct and get out of ourselves through the process. And I'll talk about how to start that process. Um, and we can say that the violation itself, again, I'm not saying that, oh, you're just feeling ashamed and it's on you and he, you know, your partner can do these fidelity violations and you should be okay with that. No, no, no. That's betrayal violence. It's going to be causing um, this survival level threat in you. And in addition to that, very often there is some society in, in uh, mentalities that we have that we may need to deconstruct. A third component that may also be um, uh, make this even more complicated into this hierarchical thinking, into this obsession with other women's bodies, is if we have a mother that real or father or both that really bought into um, that hierarchical shame view of women's bodies um, and body image that see saw see and saw women as this is a certain way that's right and good and this is a certain way that's wrong and bad and you know if you have a body that looks this certain way this certain shape this type of skin this type of hair i mean there's a million different body parts we could go through every single body part and say okay society as of right now believes this 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 is superior right uh, give it five years, it's going to change because it's all really tied into um, the sales and how to make people people make money, which we, we'll talk about in a minute. But if you have a mother who really bought into that on her own body, and if you had a father or another parental figure who really bought in, male figure who bought into it for other women's bodies, then it's going to be really deep for you. In addition to society, in addition to betrayal violence that on its own is really going to make this painful, right? So your, your attachment views, uh, attachment to self, and the way that you view yourself and your worth and where your worth comes from is going to be really complicated by how your mother saw her own body, how your mother treated her body or your body. 
and also those um, male figures who may have done the same. Because if that is going on, if you're a little girl who um, watches her mother stand in the mirror and shame her body parts, or if you were a little girl who is or was or is, because I have a lot of adult women clients in their 30s, 40s, 50s, whose mothers still shame their bodies to this day, Thanksgiving, oh, you've gained a little weight. Oh, I don't like that shirt on you. I think it makes you look a certain way. If you still have a mother who probably is trying to do something good in her own um, buy-in, right? Because if she bought into society's supremacy value, in her mind, she's like, let's align you with that supremacy hierarchy and then you'll be better off, right? You can kind of sort of do some mental gymnastics to figure out why moms historically would have done that. Or maybe even you find yourself doing to your own daughters at times. Um, because it's trying to fit into this way of being that that realistically has benefited women, right? We know this. Women in their 20s who look a certain way, who fit a certain standard, at the time when they're in their young years looking a certain way are going to get some benefits that women who don't look that way don't get. But the key here, and we're about to head into the how, the key here isn't to then hate the women that fit the standard, but to identify that the standard may be the, the ultimate villain here. Mm -hmm.